1043 AM, March 20th. Entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized. A twin... <laughs> gonna say Kingdom Hearts. A Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show. That's what I need. A fun show, reasonably paced. I'm Wheels, and this is Joe. How are you, Joe? I'm doing all right. This week, we get to talk about an incredible episode, mainly because it includes the best uh, character of the show, Mr. Zipper the Plumber, who just makes some great faces <laughs> in his one scene. I, lo- I really like this episode. Oh, no, it rules. But you're right. That is, it, I, love, I do love the scene you're referring to, though, because it, like, they kind of work it in to, like, the resolution that happens in this episode like oh yeah no it's it's a setup it's amazing anything anything log lady intro we should cover it's a good log lady intro this is one of those ones that's pretty direct this one i like a lot too considering a lot of the context we've talked about this with the studio pressure on the on the season so she says so now the sadness comes the revelation there is a depression after an answer is given. <laughs> sure is. It was almost fun not knowing. Yes, now we mm. know. At least we know what we sought in the beginning. But there is still the question, why? And this question will go on and on until the final answer comes. Mm. Then the knowing is so full, there is no room for questions. Oh, that's so wonderful. Like, yeah, you'll get your answers, but it won't be satisfying until... Uh, until until you die and yep. you are uh, reunited with the one. Yeah, so uh, first scene. Let's see, what do we start with? This episode's very plotty. Oh, yeah, it's kind of a recap. It's yeah, it's a uh, it's Albert kind of recapping evidence about Maddie's and and the sheriff. Yeah, uh, about Maddie's murder. Albert's back just in general. He he's been off uh, out of a few episodes, True. but he shows up now and yeah, lays out it. A ton of information. It's this episode. I'm glad he does. I like the uh, setup for this beginning episode too, because it really is just a lot of people like being like Cooper. You have to do it this episode. Like, it, <laughs> it really just, like this happened. Make sure it doesn't happen again. And everyone just like is like Cooper. It's got to be you. It's. It, I don't know how did Alistair describe yeah, it, but Elbert's line is yeah. He says you know he's laying out the facts in his very. Albertian way mm-hmm. and uh, his is in his Rosenfieldian fashion. And he says, uh, but then after he kind of breaks and he says, Cooper, an observation. I don't know where this is headed, but the only one of us with the coordinates for this destination in, ha- in his hardware is you. Go on whatever vision quest you require. Stand on the rim of, rim of the volcano. Stand alone and do your dance. Just find this beast before he takes another bite. Uh, it's so great. Yeah. Um, he's like, I don't, I don't get this spiritual mumbo jumbo, but I know it's what you need to do to crack this case. Yes. <laughs> My brother in Christ. My brother in Christ. He was sort of leaning off of a few of the things when Harry was like, I'm arresting Ben, but it's possible that Ben could have done it. They say that it would yeah, ha- happen right time, before. They do a TikTok later where they're like, we arrested him at midnight. Maddie was dead before then. Yeah. yeah so it is still I guess possible that um the evidence could point to Ben, even though eventually by the end of this episode the blood work says not the same blood type they're looking for. Spoilers for this episode. But <laughs> yeah. I like how the possibility it could be Ben is used in the final sort of set piece. It's 
very, very neat and tidy yep. and great. Yep. Th- this is a great Donna episode, too. I say that as yeah. we transition to a Donna scene. I really Donna like the centering of her in this sort of thing. As the friend of Laura and Maddie, who blames herself for a lot of things. I agree also because I was thinking before we started recording that it would be an interesting watch order to get to this part and then watch the movie directly after this episode. Yeah. Because there are a lot of things in this episode that I love with the full context of knowing the movie. I don't wasn't really a thought when they made the... And, and that, like, one of my criticisms of season two is that, like, it kind of absolves Leland in a way, if you read it that way, in a way that I don't necessarily like, but in the full context with the movie, it's clear that that is not the intended message, and Donna is such an important part to the movie as well, and, mm-hmm. like, framing this sort of, like, it's kind of like a coming of age movie for her, even though Laura is the main character. Like yeah. Donna is the one who's innocent of the two of them and has their innocence challenged. Having this episode be Donna centric really solidified that thought in my head that that that, that this could be a cool watch order. Yeah, I w- it's funny you've mentioned that because I was even just thinking like, shit, maybe I'll just watch it now just because I want to watch it again. Like, obviously, I'll have to rewatch so it good. when we cover it. But I, I just was like chomping at the bit. Like, maybe I'll just throw that on one of these days just ahead of time because I just want to watch it again. But uh, it's a Donna and James scene and it's really sweet. But the the fact that we just came from a really serious scene about catching the killer and the music hasn't completely hit a, a, a resolution, like there's still like some tension. It lets you know that, like, this happiness uh, that we're seeing in this scene is not going to last, doesn't last the episode. James and Donna are meeting, I don't think it's at the Double R, but it's some sort of restaurant, I think. James meets Donna at a booth, and he he has a ring that he gives her, and he's like, you know, I think you and I should stick together, should be together all the forever or something. He says it in a dumb, like, not smooth way, which is why I'm struggling. He says, Oh, together all the I time. I think we should be together all the time. Yeah. He also makes a point that he didn't know what ring size to get, and the girl at the jewelry store had these really big hands. <laughs> you know what they say about girls with big hands? <laughs> <laughs> but it fits perfectly, of course. Yeah, the script says this is the double R, but it really doesn't look like it. The lighting is so specific uh but then we move to another scene in the the double r with normal lighting afterwards so oh is this the norma and her mom yeah her her mom's being mean about the eggs and she tries to confront her and the mom i don't even think she realizes she's being confronted the way she responds but oh yeah i uh I am well acquainted with this category of person with Mm -hmm. Vivian and boy, uh, they make me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Tiny part of this episode, but it's a good good little moment. Yeah, just a very controlling and judgmental uh, and impossible to impress mother to Norma. Yeah, I mean, Um, this this thing, Norma, Norma even like directly says like nothing's ever good enough for you and like not even realizing she's being confronted or upset with she's like well the menus are good <laughs> it's like it's i don't it's know like it's like jesus a, christ <laughs> it's a perfect depiction of that but then we move on yeah. from that to andy who is here at the double r trying to like practicing his, practice french. his french by repeating the french phrase not to be confused with the french fries <laughs> yes 
Uh, well, they're they're freedom fries now. They're freedom fries now. So I'm so well. No, nine eleven hasn't happened yet, Joe. <laughs> no. Well, we there is, uh, and I guess it wasn't nine eleven. It was the when was Iraq that invasion? Yeah, th- yeah. There I is think the. It, I think. I, I don't. I, I think it, maybe it's a different thing. The uh, the the weird clip where Cooper's like Special Agent Dale Cooper here, sending out a great big hello from everyone at Twin Peaks to all the Allied forces out there in the Middle East. We want you to know that you're missed, you're loved. I want you to come home soon. Here's your pie, Agent Cooper. Well, thanks, Shelley. Say hello to the Allied forces out there in the Middle East. Hi, guys. Keep doing a great job. Good work. And from the crew as well. Um, it's an insane. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like Bobby's in the background randomly gives a thumbs up too. It's such a weird thing, but yeah. So Andy is saying the a phrase we've seen twice, and that's yep. basically the point of this scene is to remind you that we've seen the phrase twice. He's repeating uh, my French is about as good as Andy's, which is to say bad. But he says. J'ai un homme solitaire, and he's repeating that, which apparently translates, if you say it right, to I am a lonely soul. Yep. Uh, we've heard it because the strange old woman who lives next to Harold and her grandson, uh, mm-hmm. the grandson who had the cream, cream corn. corn in his hands, he said it. Cream corn. Uh, yep. Andy knows it because it was written in Harold's suicide note. And essentially, they just exchange this information, and Donna's like, I got to go get Agent Cooper and have him talk to Mrs. Tremont, who her grandson told me this phrase that ended up in Harold's. No, there must be something to this. Yeah, I guess they were in the double R. She just walks on over. It's just interesting how the, the shots are framed yeah. so differently. But yeah, so James is there. James doesn't really understand either what why it matters so much. But Danny's just like, yeah, the guy left a suicide note. He's just like talking about it so casually. But anyways, they basically cut straight to that Donna taking Cooper there to the Trimmins. And she's like, yeah, the lady's pretty old. It might take a second for her to come get the door. But then like some entirely different person strolls up wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, someone in, like their early 60s walks up and it's like, wow, Donna ages much. Yeah. <laughs> but and yeah, and and so this this woman is Mrs. Tremont, mm-hmm. uh, which is the name that Donna was given of the old woman to whom she delivered the Meals on Wheels to and had a strange conversation with her and her grandson. But it seems like those people don't live here, actually. This woman does. I guess those were ghosts. Anyway, uh, a letter was delivered to me that has your name on it, Donna. Here you go. It's a very weird yeah. thing. But I guess it's that it's that Harold put a note in the neighbor's Yes, this letter before he killed himself. Because he knows that Donna was delivering meals on wheels to his neighbor, so Even though we never see her do it after she connects with Harold. Um, I don't know if she yeah. actually continued doing it or took a break after tragedy struck. It's hard to say. But regardless, yeah, she's like, I was going to turn it in, but oh, well. This is another reason why it would be cool to watch the movie after this, because we get the old woman and her grandson in the movie. But in the movie, they are the Chalfonts, not the Tremens. Mm-hmm. So you get, uh, you know, you see a, you would see a lot of the figures that are referenced yeah. in this episode. This is. I mean, kind of an intentional breaking point in this season anyway. Maybe not intentional at the time because obviously it still just aired the right. next week. But because of what plot lines sort of 
call them call their shots here as opposed to what continues yeah. on for the rest of the season at kind of the a, a weird point right down the middle but anyways yeah she gets it's a letter from the his secret diary that's folded away for donna here cooper has her read it um and it's like the last two days basically before she died uh, well, it's, it's the day before and the day of that she writes in it she talks about um having the same dream that cooper had of in in the red room with uh technically i don't he hasn't been called the arm yet eventually is called that but the man from another place is how he's credited in this season oh true that that as well yeah she basically just describes that same dream as like the 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 cousin who looks just like laura palmer is laura palmer in her own dream and she says it's frustrating to talk but she whispered a secret into the old man's ear the old man being uh, stoned cooper as you once described it wheel <laughs> and he's like oh yeah so she did he, he sort of remembers she told me who it was and he just can't remember as we remember from season one where he's like no it can wait till no, morning it can wait till morning and then of course Man, doesn't this remember. mystery would have been wrapped up real tight yeah. if he had just met him now before maddie anyway. even showed up yeah. So now he's trying to figure out how to sort of get back to that memory. It's also worth mentioning that Donna reads February 23rd diary entry. Tonight is the night that I die. I like this entry a lot. Thinking about the movie, I think it's easier for me to know how I how to read it with the movie as opposed to on, it, on its yeah. own. There's like a gray area where I'm like, is this am, am I cutting this slack? But I don't know. Um. The movie gives Laura Palmer a a ton of agency. Yeah, is, is like which is which is why I like this message with that context because I'll I'll just read it. Uh, February twenty third. Tonight is the night that I die. I know I have to because it's the only way to keep Bob away from me. The only way to tear him out from inside. I know he wants me. I can feel his fire. But if I die, he can't hurt me anymore. Which on its own, could go either way of yeah. not giving her agency, falling into some unfortunate victim tropes. But the, the context of the movie very very much is Laura uh, in, in control without talking about it much more ahead of time. Yeah, she. I mean, she's like a, she is a Christ figure in that there's a lot of, like, choosing to sacrifice her. And she even, like, comes back three days later because Maddie shows up. So she yeah. even, like, rises again the third day. Like, there's, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, what Cooper carries away from this is just that they had the same dream. Andy's there, and he's like, that's impossible. And Cooper's like, hell yeah, it is. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so he goes going uh, to find Gerard again, which we go right to that, too. And Gerard continues to give the cryptic information he can to Cooper, which is, he, he mentions a golden circle. A, a relationship between appetite and satisfaction that they had when they were killing together uh, Mike and, and Bob. Uh, and the golden circle makes Cooper think of his ring, which he then remembers he gave to the giant. And he has to find a way to connect with the giant to get the rest of his his dream memory back. And that's more or less what he tries to do this episode. Yeah. Th yeah, there's not too much with this scene other than kind of just recapitulating some of the more metaphorical clues that we've been given. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Mike is like, yep, it's don't don't use your head. Use your use your heart. It's a real Kingdom Hearts sequence. Mm -hmm. Not here, here. It's not so much the information so much as how it makes you feel and what else it makes you think about. And we kind of see Cooper take this to heart in the rest of the episode and it works for him. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess he already has by going to Mike in the first place. Yeah, he's he's put a lot of faith in the one-armed man, which a lot of other people are like, I guess these people have split personalities, and Cooper's like, no, 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 which is a, a line that this show walks anyway, but... Yeah, I wouldn't be qualified to talk about what how that representation yeah. shakes out, but it's certainly... They're certainly doing something there. It's just hard for a lot of reasons, because spirit possession in general has been very intertwined with uh mental health stuff as well so yeah it's real tough to disentangle yeah so i don't know this script call i don't like that the script well this is what albert has called him in the previous episodes i, I do remember that but i don't like that the script <laughs> calls the old waiter senior drool cup but he is here in the hallway repeating his signature catchphrase I know about you, to to Cooper. Mm -hmm. He says, that milk will cool down on you, but it's getting warmer now. And Cooper's like, it's getting warmer. I'm on the right path. Yeah. So funny. We get kind of like a, so we get, the, the next scene is Cooper, Sheriff, and I think Albert's here too. Yes, he is, are in Ben Horn's office. Mm -hmm. And Cooper is just staring at the stuffed, white fox because in a line that we kind of skipped over at the beginning oh yeah truman was like yeah we found some white fur in maddie's hair from a white fox and cooper is just standing there in ben's office staring at the white stuffed white fox and thinking like boy that sure is a convenient clue that was left Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you could tell on his face that he's like this is too clean easy and not spiritual enough. This 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 Ben idea has to be a red herring. He knows it's not a straight he line. He doesn't say it, but his face says it. Well, it's funny too because I remember, like, I didn't even clock it right away, like that it was just planted there as as evidence. But like, I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, I remember Leland pulling hair off of it for no reason, which was just kind of funny, funny and weird at the time. But yeah. now, sort of connecting those dots, I, I I like quite a bit as as that. But yeah, they find the phone call that Leland also said was made here. Like he, I guess he did sort of cover his tracks, even though in the last episode he seemed like he was really playing with fire and taunting the cops, which I guess, you know, he can obviously do both, that he can taunt them and also be planting all these things to to point at Ben. They also, they mentioned, as I mentioned before, they didn't take Ben in until after the autopsy says Maddie was killed. So it is plausible that he could be the killer, yeah. Yep. So what's left is the blood test, which Albert's going to do. And uh, I think for the first time we get a, well, not the first time because we had the stuff in the double R, but um, we cut away from Cooper and go back to the sheriff's department where we meet a hero of the episode, Zipper, Mr. Zipper, (laughs) the plumber, who's working on the smoke detector slash, uh, uh, I smoke detector. Sprinkler sprinkler system. Emergency sprinkler system. Yeah. Another couple of minutes and I'll have this baby right up to code. Tweaking the sensors mostly. Don't want your sprinklers to be overly jumpy. Got to said it just so yep so he's up there on a ladder working on that he says that to lucy and andy walks in and says i want to talk about my child our baby and zipper's like "Uh yeah every now and then like (laughs) this conversation goes on and every now and then we just keep cutting back to him who's like looks down and makes a big face and uh this scene boils down to just lucy finally sort of being transparent that like maybe it's dick's so Andy's like, I'm calling up Dick, and he like, uh, he makes like a, a a stern phone call, and he's like, We need to talk. If you're 
not busy, I, I mean, mean... if you're not, like, that busy. Yeah, you know, if you're free, because, uh, you know, of course, yeah, that's Yeah, because it's like, wow, Andy's really taking charge, because he marches over, and he says, I want to... Calls the number, I want to speak to Richard Tremaine, men's fashion. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, Andy taking names, yeah. and then he just puts on that little Andy touch right at the end there, so you remember, yeah. sure is Andy. We, uh, we will see Dick show up here later this episode, but right now we sort of pan down uh, into the jail cell, uh, where Benjamin Horn still is, where one Tojimura comes, which we of course know by now, not just because of us, but revealed in fiction by now that this is Catherine. Is it purposeful that the name is Tojimura? Oh, with the footstuff? In this that scene, happens in this scene? She shows her toes. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> ben is revealed to be a foot guy in this, so that's, that's great. <laughs> I mean, I think that that I mean, maybe that already came up. I it don't could remember be. the first. All the I remember episodes. about his his sexual trappings is the little Elvis bit. Fuck, that's so. That, I forgot about that. That's yeah. I'll never forget. It's very funny that after they reveal that Tojimura and Catherine are the same person, that the opening credits now uh, say Piper Laurie as Tojimura and Catherine Martell. It's it's just a, <laughs> a, a a detail that makes me. Chuckle darkly every time I notice it now. <laughs> I'm just like, uh-huh, unfortunately. Yep. The scene could be pretty easily summed up, I think. Yeah, he sucks um, toe. Catherine is there because she wants... Uh, yeah, there's some toe-sucking that happens, but we don't need to get into it. Catherine comes with the papers to sign Ghostwood and... The mill. The mill over to her for a song does a weird toe dance to reveal that it's her, actually. It's, it's worth mentioning that in disguise, the, in the Tojimura disguise, he does it and Ben's like, well, no, I can't because he's holding out for the, the Catherine sort of deal. And then she reveals that she's Catherine. He's like, oh, fuck yeah. No, that's just, I'll kiss your toes and sign it right over. So that way I can you can give me the alibi. And of course, she that's it is that. Catherine is the is the person he was with on the night of Laura's murder uh, because they were having their tryst. But it was a real shame because Catherine died and couldn't corroborate. But now that she's alive, he's like, hey, I'll sign these if you talk to the sheriff and tell him my alibi. And he signs it. And then she's like, peace. Maybe I'll tell the sheriff. Maybe I won't. We're both liars later. Yeah. Great. Also, I just like that he, you know, has this confrontation with Tojimura. But then, like, a, a some toesies sneak their way under the cell, and he's like, I know those anywhere. <laughs> but anyways, the yeah, Catherine's like, yeah, after she gets the signature, she's like, yeah, I'll consider maybe giving you your alibi, and then walks off. Because what, what's her line? Uh, we, yeah, we spent our entire adult lives lying to each other. Why spoil it with the truth now? And off she goes. It's a great line, yeah. And now we go to Leland for the for the first time this episode. Some some scary stuff returning yet again because Donna is coming to give him something, uh, so that way he can send it. Uh, it's a tape of the song of you and I recorded that she wants to have sent off to Maddie and. Oof. I forgot. This. Leland's like, yeah, of course, but then I also forgot this happened in my head. It, this was an, This was another like Maddie scene i forgot that this happens to donna as well mm -hmm. where he is dancing with her and if if this gone on long enough i'm sure she would have been the next uh letter under the fingernail he points out like oh those sunglasses you're wearing 
and she's like, oh yeah, they, uh, they were Laura's. Maddie gave them to me. And he's like, that's where I remember them from. And it's like this moment where, especially with, again, with the context of the movie, you can tell he's like, ah, yes, that reminds me just enough of my daughter mm-hmm. to be filled with a murderous ray. I could kill her too. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. she reminds me just of my do- enough of my daughter to so kill her. so good at that too. And, and yeah, and it's just face acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, uh, I mean, it's, he, has, it's he has lines too. in here too, but the, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, he's, he's great at it. Donna's really Horrific. good at being like that sort of like scared, but obviously can't do anything and doesn't know. She's uncomfortable and scared, but I don't know at any point if she thinks Leland killed them yet. I don't know if she p- and this is gets just all the way there. It's a very relatable thing of like being a woman in a scenario where you don't know if you're just being too paranoid, like, oh, it's just my friend's dad. Like, of course, nothing bad is happening. But like she's getting you can tell that she's getting kind of red flags about yeah. like, why is he dancing with me all of a sudden? Why does he seem weirdly intense? But yeah, she doesn't ever just like book it. Well, it wouldn't be safe to. I think she knows that, too. Right. Before things turn sour, however, before the record starts skipping, mm-hmm. uh, Sheriff Truman comes and says, he says he just essentially like says they need him for something. We, he doesn't give the details right away. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Um. Oh, actually, but before that, even there's a oh, phone, yeah, the phone call. call. There's a phone call that Maddie hasn't made at home yet. And Leland's like, well, I dropped her off myself. I don't know what it, there is. And also it's uh, Donna mentions the secret diary that Harold had, which Leland says I had no idea. I don't know if he actually did or didn't. I just don't my, remember. I mean, from the from the performance, my guess would be that he did not genuinely know didn't know that it existed. And he's in that moment, he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck, fuck." <laughs> yeah. There's that. Yeah. Then the phone call happens, and he, you know, ex- explains the situation. He's like, "Yeah, she just hasn't made it home yet to Donna." But he's like, "Don't worry, it'll be fine. I'm gonna go get you a drink, and this will this will all be okay." But there's yeah, there's a shot of Bob in a mirror as well. But it is. Uh, Cut short by Truman showing up and saying there was another murder. Can't tell you why we need your help, but we do. And Leland's like, all right, yeah, yeah, okay. And and off he goes. Donna doesn't say anything. Truman doesn't seem to notice her. Leland just leaves. So that's uh, another sort of sad lingering shot on her before the uh, the scene ends, which um I like. And then we follow her for a little bit longer because she goes to a path where she meets James and she's like pretty torn up. After all this, whether she's pieced together what happened or not, she's just uh, really messed up about Maddie. And she she's between the phone call and hearing there was a murder that Leland can help with. She's already made the connection that Maddie has died. Maybe she doesn't think Leland did it, but she knows that Maddie's dead and yeah. talks to James about it. And James goes the other direction where he's like, well, fuck, everything's pointless. I'm going to ride my bike to the end of the world. And fucks off. Yeah, he kind of, he's a fucking coward, yeah. is what he is. He just promised. I tried, just made this I try not to be too mean because he's promise. a dumb 18-year-old with his own family troubles, too. But, yeah, I mean. I Sure, but you just gave her a ring, a ring yeah. this morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I realized that. Someone very close to both of them just died, and that is a horrifying experience. For the second uh, time in two weeks! Yeah. He's like, there's no pencils for me to break! Yeah. (laughs) So he just 
gets on his bike and he goes. Yeah, and you're not going to like where he ends up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Donna's left even more alone now after this sort of tense argument. Yes, beginning of this episode was, I guess, proposed to. There, there he goes. There off James goes. Echoing, I like the centering of her in, in all of this. And um, we go back to Cooper now, who has gathered quite a few particular faces at the roadhouse bar i don't know why ed's here i don't know either maybe it's i mean i i don't know if it's like a bookhouse thing where he thought ed would be a helpful set of hands but he doesn't he doesn't say I guess anything that's true that that makes the most sense or maybe just like you know one more person so that way the the, the people who are <laughs> considered don't think they're being singled out of oh well big ed's here too that that's true this is essentially a halfway between a seance and a perp walk <laughs> yeah it's it's like a it's like a spiritual lineup basically mm-hmm. or that's what i mean a lineup not a perp walk yeah he's he's trying to get a, a bunch of people into their room make contact with be, the owls or the giant or whatever here in their roadhouse and see if he can unlock the memory from his dream of of who killed laura palmer and it seems to be it, maybe it's just because also they have like similar appearances and bald heads but is it do you get do you get the impression that the the older waiter is sort of a physical stand-in for the giant like because he seems to always be at in the same place yeah i've always wondered because because yeah they are always when, when we're he, at the roadhouse earlier this season and the giant appears on the stage they'd make a point to show that senior drill cup is in the audience mm -hmm. so i think you're right and of course he's there when the giant the shows up the first, first time episode of the, the season yeah um so i that that's kind of how i've always seen it they seem pretty pretty connected the two of them mm -hmm. that may be like in the same way that the uh malevolent figures can influence actions of humans maybe these more benevolent ones like Maybe the giant is acting through this old man. Yeah, it's 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 a of all the the spiritual characters we've seen, they're all kind of vastly different in the ways that they are. Where it's just like they all have their own rule sets. Yeah, they're all they got their own game that they follow. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, let's run through the the list of everyone who shows up here at the roadhouse. We've got some more great, very blue fake lightning flashing through uh the windows uh the top of the at the top of the set. But uh, Cooper has. Is, is here, Harry brings Leland, Ben is still handcuffed, just kind of tearing through some peanuts in a booth. Uh, eventually, Bobby shows up bringing the wheelchaired Leo. Big Ed shows up, Hawk is here as well. Oh, I guess Albert's here too, I forgot about Albert. Cooper gives a speech, but eventually says that someone's missing, and that's when uh, Major Garland Briggs appears, bringing the waiter we were just talking about, the old waiter. And I think that's everybody. Yeah, and he brings him because he says, I was just on my way home and this kind gentleman flagged me down and asked for a ride here. So it's just that the old the old timer just knew where he needed to be. Mm -hmm. um, I do like Cooper's speech, though, so I, I do want to circle back to it. He says, gentlemen, two days ago, a young woman was found murdered by the same individual, I believe, responsible for the death of Laura Palmer. I have reason to believe that the killer is in this room. As a member of the Bureau, I spend most of my time seeking simple answers to difficult questions. In the pursuit of Laura's killer, I have employed Bureau guidelines, deductive technique, Tibetan method, instinct, and luck. But now I find myself in need of something new, which, for lack of a better word, I shall call magic. It's great. It, it really feels to me like he is accepting the type of 
spirituality that happens in this town in particular. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, he comes with his own spiritual framework from his love of Tibetan Buddhism, and then he brings that here and realizes that he needs to incorporate some of the some of the local weirdness into mm-hmm. his method. So he does. Yeah, he gets, you know, the the expected taunted for this for, you know, Ben's like, would you like us to hum? Albert's like, I think it's going great. And uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Truman's Truman says now what? And uh, Cooper says, I'm not completely sure. But that's when Briggs and the waiter show up and uh, the waiter has a, a bunch of like some sticks of gum and hands a piece to to Cooper has one himself. But Leland sees it and says, I know that gum. I used to chew it when I was a kid. That's my most favorite gum in the world. Yeah, he's like, that is a gum. That is my favorite gum. That is a gum that I like. Yeah. I wish it were to come back in style. <laughs> That's almost what uh, it feels that, like it's happening, but then they just go to that yeah. next step where the waiter says, just repeat that gum you like is going to come back in style. And then, bah, boom, boom. That's how it comes together for Cooper. He's like, it's Leland's gum. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he he has a vision, uh, both of the dream, uh, where it, we, we finally hear what Laura whispers in his ear, which is just, my father killed me. And then he also has a vision of the giant here in the roadhouse uh, giving him his ring back, where he's sort of holding it in his hand, but then the giant disappears and the ring then falls to the floor. You know, time is sort of frozen. And it really is there, right? That's the that's my interpretation. Did he does he pick it up the ring? I don't remember seeing him pick it up, but I do believe the ring's actually there. Yeah, but, uh, the script says Ben's down to pick his ring up off the floor and looks it over. So in some ways, that is like confirmation. Like, yep, if you're still wondering, yeah. if you're still thinking maybe it's just dreams and shit, magic's real. Magic's real. Um, if you had any questions, yeah, yeah. I, I, as I mentioned before, I like the turn of this because you don't really get a sort of direct confirmation of what Cooper retained from it or thinks because the next thing he says is Ben Horn, I'd like you to accompany me to the sheriff's station. You'd, you might like to bring along Leland Palmer as your attorney. And then um, it becomes clear pretty quickly that, you know, obviously he's it's a ruse. going to uh, yeah arrest Leland uh, before he leaves. He gives the remaining people here in the roadhouse a nice thumbs up. It's a, uh, Major Briggs, the son Bobby, Leo, Big Ed, who are just sort of staring in a a, a, a nice sort of huddle <laughs> as the as Cooper leaves. Yeah, they're like arranged for a family photo. Yeah, it's great. Um, as they get back to the sheriff's department, uh, Cooper sort of holds Harry back for a second and whispers in his ear, telling him presumably his plan and what they're doing. And uh, you know they do it. They get down to the the holding the holding like interrogation room, and as they're it seems like they're about to take Ben in, but at the last second, they strong arm Leland in and close the door, and he just he just kind of becomes feral in there once it happens. He jokerifies immediately. Oh yeah, he just starts yelling. He starts tearing his clothes, and Hawk is like, "That's not Leland." Yeah, uh, Truman wonders how Cooper was able to figure it out, and he says, "Laura told me in her dream." And it's like, well, we need stronger evidence than that, man. I I can't I can't write that down on the report. Yeah, Cooper says, how about a confession, Harry? So they go in there and uh, read him his rights. And at this point, yeah, Leland slash Bob, they are one in the same regardless. You know, once Leland calms down enough and realizes that uh, Leland slash Bob realizes that uh, he's been had, that it, that he's stuck here. And he sits down. He's still panting because of all the 
tearing around the room he was doing, and Cooper comes in and he says, ah, I suppose you want to ask him some questions, huh? Cooper says, did you kill Laura Palmer? That's a yes. What a phenomenal piece of acting that he's giving It's here. great. Absolutely wild man shit. Uh, doesn't really phase anybody either. I mean, I don't know. There's a couple, like, no. cuts to, like, Hawk slowly lowering his gun at, at what he's watching, but Coop, Cooper's not phased. He says, how about Mad- Madeline Ferguson? What do you think? I'm asking you. What do you think? Answer the question. Oh, gosh, gee whiz. I kind of guess I sort of did. I have this thing for knives. Just like what happened to you in Pittsburgh that time. Now that actually shakes Cooper. He steps back a bit. Unsure how the the yeah. spiritual being of Bob would know. He hasn't told anybody. We as the viewer don't know what happened in Pittsburgh. But we know that he did get injured in Pittsburgh. Yes. Oh, Leland, Leland, Leland. You've been a good vehicle. And I've enjoyed the ride. But now he's weak and full of holes. It's almost nearly time to shuffle off to Buffalo. Cooper says, does Leland know what you've done? Leland's a babe in the woods with a large hole where his conscience used to be. When I go, children, I will pull that ripcord and you will watch Leland. Remember, watch him, but not for long. Not for long, indeed. Uh, Truman says, that's enough for me. And they go out to talk outside, uh, outside of the interrogation room. We... Cut away for now, though, because Dick Tremaine is in the building. Dick has entered the room, <laughs> and Lucy has gathered Andy and Dick together for the discussion that... Uh, she, for an interrogation of yeah, her own. She she says, I'm keeping my baby not open for discussion, and then Dick says, got a light. <laughs> it's so funny that he asked Sandy, got a light. Yeah. Like, do you think that they... That, no, that there's no way. They chose that light. No, I know I know that they didn't know now, but I mean, when they made season three and they had that figure say, got a light. Do you think they were like, what's a line? For, what's like a weird, happy moment from a previous season that what's a line that we can just ruin by making it horrifying? Now? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it'd be funny I doubt if it, that was but either it's way possible. funny. Mm-hmm. But I, I do, regardless, just really like this scene because Dick says, got a light. Andy checks. Of course he doesn't. He says no. And then uh-huh. uh, Dick's like, oh, okay. And then pulls out his own lighter to light a cigarette. It's just such a funny little bit of uh, exchange between, like, that shows the two of them. Yeah. And he's, of course, trying to set off the sprinklers. That's why, he's, that's why he's doing this. It's funny that it was set up earlier that the sprinklers were being worked Wait, on. Wait, is he actually trying to do it? I don't remember where this... Do we catch back up and get confirmation I, of that? I guess I don't know. I just assumed because he's an asshole that this is him getting out of the room. I guess I could just be smoking. Wow. But the way he's holding it, like, it, it... I don't know. It might just be the sh- the way the shot follows it, but it almost feels like he's holding it up extra high, but maybe that's just <laughs> me thinking the worst of the it character. It could be. I don't it know. could certainly be. It's it, it, He... Seems like he'd do anything to escape responsibility. Yeah, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's maybe it, I'm just uh, filling in the blanks there. Yeah, Dick's like, whatever you say, Lucy, it is your baby. And then uh, we cut back to uh, Cooper and Truman. Cooper sort of laying out all of his dream clues and how they should have pointed to Leland's Some of them are kind of stretches. Oh, yeah. There's one where I'm like, eh, well, let's see, which one is it? It's... We were told that Bob the Killer was a gray-haired man. When Leland killed Jacques, his hair turned gray overnight. I mean, I guess. 
I guess. Uh, yeah, that and the the dancing that the, the man from another place was doing. He's like, oh yeah, Leland was also dancing. It's like, well, da- I don't know. Some people just dance. Everybody was dancing at that party. Do you think Catherine did it? <laughs> Go through sort of a recap of clues. And then uh, as Truman's like continuing to doubt it, uh, we hear from the other room, him reciting the, the same phrase that we've heard a couple of times before. Through the dark of future's past, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds. Fire, walk with me. And then he goes even farther to recite from that we heard from the dream. Uh, I'll catch you with my death bag. You may think I've gone insane, but I promise I will kill again. Which, uh, yeah, we, had, we haven't heard that full bit since the, the dream. Sure haven't. It's worth noting that the first line is actually is slightly changed. In the original, it's through the darkness of future past. Oh, he I drops think. off the nest. And I think it's darkness. I could be wrong. That's at least my recollection. Oh, okay, of it. I'm just reading from um, the transcript which makes here. Me, which to me, let me see. Through the darkness of future past, the magician longs to see mm. in Zen or the skill to catch a killer. To me, it's just like it. I, it it just works either way because it's like yeah. it really kind of makes it feel a little more like it's like scripture being read or something like it's just a different translation that's being recited here yeah i yeah i don't even i don't know if the transcript is maybe missed missed it as well no he definitely says it different in the episode i noted it when we watched it yeah but i was like i don't remember it being worded like that i haven't seen this as many times as you though so i probably (laughs) i i'm not surprised that i didn't catch it and you did uh but yeah, we get a lot of screaming as the spirit Bob fully detaches itself, himself. Hard. Well, first the the sprinklers oh, right. activate from Dick smoking upstairs, yep. and it being drenched with water seems to anger yeah Bob in Leland, and yeah he's just an extra extent, and yet the the screaming continues, and uh, the the spirit Bob killer Bob sort of fully removes itself from uh, whatever physical form is left here of Leland, and also in the process of doing this, Leland Leland slash Bob is sort of running into the metal door as fast as he can, and uh, there, you know, leaves quite a bit of blood on the wall. Leaving, yeah. Because it's an act uh, of suicide. Yeah, Leland will end up dying from this, Mm -hmm. and it's it's believable enough with how hard he's running into that wall. Also, all the other... It's upsetting. Like, yeah, ridiculous physical exertions that, again, I described as feral that we saw earlier. I, yeah. I don't, I don't question the... I, my, my disbelief is suspended, but... Also, there's a part where Cooper is like, no, it's time for you to die. Go towards the light, Leland. It's like, that's not the advice you're supposed to give. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he thinks I, it, all, it feels like Cooper's trying to sort of comfort him through what he knows is happening. Like, I don't think he's trying to. He is save. for sure. But it's like to the viewer, it's like not that like he like Leland is still like saying lines and stuff. And doesn't like feel like he's like on the cusp of death yeah. uh, when he does this kind of final confession. Uh, it's like Bob has left and Leland is just dying from the wounds and. Uh, and it's like, oh, I guess he really is dead. Uh, yeah, rewatching but, it, knowing yeah, it's, it's, he dies in this episode, I, I, I didn't have any questions. But um, I guess, yeah, I guess it's weird enough. Maybe if you don't expect him to die after this, which I mean, I think the show is messy about some word choices and lines where maybe you, you know, I, it's, it's easy to think maybe they're excusing Leland and pinning everything on Bob as a separate figure, which. We've talked about extensively in the last couple episodes since it's been revealed. This confession, I think, being maybe part of it, but also I, I think 
you can hold this and the movie at the same time without much issue. It's just plus it it's just Leland saying this confession. Yeah. He probably wants to tell himself what he can, yeah. Probably wants to feel in in this last moment that he can be forgiven. So it makes sense that he paints a lot of the fault on Bob. Outside of that position, I kind of am like, well, if you if you reveal the killer in this way and send, you know, Bob out of the body, I don't know if I don't know how you would keep Leland alive and in the show. No, I yeah, the, you they basically have to kill him yeah. in this episode or it's really awkward. Yeah, because the reason they want to have Bob leave is so that they can have the looming threat throughout the rest of the season that like Bob's still out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I like the line that later is like, maybe it's just. It may- maybe it's just a metaphor for all the evil that men do. And it's like, yeah, there's always going to be yeah. a darkness out there. Like that's as as plain as yeah. you can you can boil it down, which I I like. I agree. Um, Leland says, you know, oh, God, Laura, I killed her. I killed my daughter. Forgive me. I uh, says I-, I was just a boy. I saw him in my dreams. He said he wanted to play. He opened me and I invited him and he came inside me. My interpretation is here is that like the. When he said in the earlier episode about the man who lived next door that it, from his description looked like Bob. Uh, and then this line here, it sounds like he was a victim of child sex abuse. And that's my read of it as well. way and that it, there is a cycle sort of, of abuse down, often yeah. in these cases that he perpetrates similarly heinous violence on his daughter and people that remind him of his daughter. But he says he... When he was inside, I didn't I didn't know. And when he was gone, I couldn't remember. He made me do things, terrible things. He said he wanted lives. He wanted others, others that they could use like they used me. Cooper asks like Laura and he says they wanted her. They wanted Laura, but she was strong. She fought him. She wouldn't let him in. Oh, God, they had me kill that girl, Teresa. And they they said if and if I didn't give and if I didn't give them Laura, they'd have me kill her, too. She said she'd die before she'd let him. And then they made me kill her. What have I done? And he says, I love her with all my heart. Forgive me, forgive me, yada, yada. Yep, I think it's a fantastic scene. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah but I just couldn't. I, I wasn't going to try to be like crying. Oh, Leland sure, and yeah. Really give the performance. Yeah, it's easier to be yelling, screaming Bob than it is to be. Hoot, hoot and holler. That's the scene as he, he as the as the wiki describes, passes away. And yep. he does. Uh. It's interesting to see Cooper or not. Yeah, Cooper looks like like with his hair sort of wet down, like even he looks like different than usual, which I think is. I love I love having the scene be in the pouring like it's rain indoors, but it's in the rain. Fa- oh. It's a fantastic visual choice. It's like, yeah, of course, that looks good. It always looks good. It's like being like, yeah, just do and also shoot your thing at a sunset. Of course, it looks good. And like thematically, it's like he's. Uh, it's like the water is like cleansing Leland yeah. of the. You were talking about the uh, the spirit possession. You were you were talking about the uh like sort of Jesus stuff that you could attach to Laura earlier, even coming back three days later. That I was thinking about that again with this as sort of like a a, a baptismal sort of pouring down. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah, no, it's fantastic. Cooper's final words to him are, "Don't be afraid." And and in fact, when he's dying, he says that he's. He sees Laura and Cooper is like, yep, go towards the light. Mm-hmm. He's like, I see the light. I see Laura. So it's like, yeah, it's like he's being baptized in her name. Laura is the light, though. That's the thing. Right. 
Right. The thing is that Laura quite literally is the light, which we'll be talking about for quite a while. And not the, not this season, but eventually it'll come up again. Um, and that's the end of the that scene. We sort of fade from that into just these guys taking a walk in the woods and sort of questioning, what was that? like Being like, damn, shit sucks. Yeah, huh? like Harry, Har- I like Harry's position on this a lot because obviously he's been like, look, there's a darkness in these woods. Twin Peaks is different. But even this is like beyond the pale for him. He's like, that guy was just insane, right? And Cooper's like, no. And Albert's like, people saw, like multiple people saw the same image of Bob. Like it, he he lists Laura, Maddie, right. Sarah Palmer, and you know Cooper uh, saw him in his dreams as well. Like there's that that that's that's something that's you can't dismiss that um, within the narrative. And then Major Garland Briggs shows up for some reason and uh, he lays in his uh, well because he was there at the roadhouse. So I'm guessing I like that he gets to you know put his stamp on the the show a little bit more in this last half of this season. He's been in a couple times in this season and. It feels it's a little patriarchal that it's like all men in this scene, but it does feel like kind of like a gathering of the town elders to discuss the uh, the conclusion to this tragic arc. Yeah. Major Briggs quotes Hamlet begins fucking. Of course, he's gentlemen. There's more in heaven and earth than what's dreamt up in our philosophy. Cooper. Amen. Um, And yeah, Truman just considers to be like, this is this is difficult to believe. And. You know, the wording could be maybe a little better, but I like I mostly like Cooper's response, which is, is it easier to believe a man would rape and murder his own daughter? Which, yes. But um, uh, his follow up is what I like, which is, is it any more comforting? And it's like, no, which, you know, it's it's, it's an interesting sort of line. This show walks, which uh, of the literal and the metaphorical is similarly, it walks that line between reality and the the sort of spirit world that is intertwined with it. Um, because the show is is both about like this actual trauma that happens, but also does connect a lot of stuff to these spiritual realms that is just as much at stake as you have said in the in previous things. And the, yeah, and the spirit is so often just a stand-in for like cycles of abuse or reverberating, or in the case of like kind of the mm-hmm. the more benevolent spirits, kind of just like the reverberating effects of like good deeds. Yeah, even if like. There's certainly an interpretation of the show of like you could interpret none of the spiritual stuff as like, quote unquote, really happening, except that it's the result. It it is just the kind of butterfly effect result of goodness and evil happening in the world that those things end up repeating. Yeah, because that's what's all that's what basically the show's all about. I like the exchange where Major Briggs is like an evil that great in, in this beautiful world finally does it matter what the cause? Cooper says yes, because it's our job to stop it. And after a beat, Major says, yeah, and he walks off. Mm-hmm. It's like, I guess you, you got me there. And then, yeah, Albert says the line you mentioned of uh, maybe that's all Bob is. The evil men do. Maybe it doesn't matter what we call it. Truman says, maybe not. But if he was real, if he was here and we had him trapped and he got away. Where's Bob now? Then we cut to like Predator Vision. Yeah, we, we, we cut to him sort of flying, like a, a, a point of view of uh, him being Bob. Yeah, uh, well, he's a he's a spooky orb now, we must acknowledge. But we see like Correct. the point of view of a camera sort of flying through the woods, uh, very, you know, sort of like a blood red tint, uh, very quickly rushing through. And it ends with a, an owl flying towards that point of view on a freeze frame as the yeah, credits start to an roll. An owl comes out of the blind 
blinding spot. Uh, there's like a big light, and then the, a white owl kind of comes. It's like washed out by the light, but once it gets close enough, you can see it coming, and then freeze frame on owl. We see the same names of uh, Frost and and Lynch up there on the screen. Even though I mean, Lynch didn't write or Great direct episode, any of this. Yeah, no, fantastic episode. We have a. A weird long and winding road as we work our way to the end of the season now because... A lot of bad episodes. Yeah, I'm sure I'll still have fun with the bad ones because they're just so ridiculous in a lot of ways. I, you know, asterisk, yeah. I could take that back in a couple weeks. For the most part, you know, this episode's great. There's a lot of fantastic episodes of this season and, you know, we'll work our way to the finale, which is I fucking love with, like, no reservations. Yeah. You know, even just for the context of uh, Lynch coming back to direct the finale after the show's been canceled. We'll get there. Uh, you know, it's uh, we've talked a lot about the weird sort of situation they're put in where they're sort of pressured to and, and forced to reveal the killer, and this is the way they do it. And, you know, the, they still have, what, 10 or so episodes left at, at least? I don't remember. But for now, we get to just say, wow, good episode. And I get to say, where are you on the internet, Wheels? Twitter.com slash singular wheels and on the podcast, Very Random Encounters. That's where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and randomly determine as much as is possible. We're currently playing Things from the Flood, which is a 90s set piece where we're playing teens who are solving vaguely sci-fi supernatural mystery, kind of poking at the edges of some conspiracies and things still at the beginning of the season so the the full shape of things to come have not yet been revealed but uh it's it's a lot of fun um you can find it at vre.show or you can buy the book of fantasy tabletop role-playing game random encounters that i co-wrote with those folks at vre you can find that book at bit.ly forward slash random book with a capital r and b Hell yeah, you could find me on Twitter, Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O, on another podcast called We Are Watching One Piece, where we're re-watching, well, I'm re-watching One Piece, my co-host Jory watching it for the first time. We're still going through the whole cake arc, but I think we're in the back half of it now. We'll be wrapping that up uh, early summer before we uh, start getting into Wano proper, which, holy shit, is some shit happening in Wano and the manga, which means it'll be animated in like a year from now when we'll be talking about it. Uh, but we're on our way to, to being fully caught up. But yeah, that's over there at that show. Uh, you can follow this show on Twitter at MemorizeCast. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash MemorizeCast. Get these episodes early. Get our monthly bonus episodes. Uh, the $5 tier where I'm explaining some some Matrix shit. The, how the Matrix works and some of its weird lore that isn't really revealed in the movies uh, to wheels. Um, which we'll be uh, recording that soon. We'll have that uh, March episode up. I mean, by the end of the month. It's usually at the end of the month when it actually gets up there. Um, thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon, whether it be for, for interstitial for a couple of months or just because you like what we do regardless. means a ton. And that's I think that's that we plug our theme music. You can find it in the show notes. Uh, whatever, it's a remix of the main theme of the show. It's the only place I've been able to find it online is, is linked in the show notes below. Also, we have a Discord you can join. And I think I, I think now that's it that we plug. So, uh, Wheels, you, you did the intro, which means it's my turn to say uh, that that was... Episode 16, not to be confused with part 16, also titled uh, Arbitrary Law, the ninth episode of season two and the 17th episode overall. Why Arbitrary Law? No idea. Couldn't tell you. All right. Well, we got the awesome.